0: Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but The man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. You may be seated. You might notice that your bulletin's a little bigger this week. It's not a trifle. It's not because I was fired. I said to myself, if I ever don't work there, I'm not going to hand-fold trifle bulletins. That's not why. I still work at Four Rivers, alright? Um, But I wanted you to have more space for the notes today. And I also wanted, on the back of the bulletin, something you could give to somebody, tear it off, and they could have our schedule, our October schedule, what's coming up, and our um, stuff that you make your notes on, they wouldn't get. Because if you tore it in half and gave them that, they would have a way for you to invite them to everything we're doing right away. So I want to do that for you. And I I noticed last week when I did that, it was too small for me to see. And so I said, I'm making it big enough where I can see it way out here. And you all can probably read some of that if I hold it up like this. But that's the reason it's bigger. And um, I may keep it this size. I just don't know yet. All I know is the notes for today in that space I think will be very valuable to you if you make them. And I encourage you to I'm going to offer some Scriptures to you throughout. But I promise you that what I shared with several people this week is not actually true in the sense of which I shared it about this message. I told a lot of people that this sermon is going to be awful. I said, this sermon is awful this week. And if you look at the title, it most definitely is awful. Awful, awful. awful. <laughs> Meaning... If you haven't figured it out yet, legalistic mindsets can destroy you. What do I mean by that? Well, I want to point you to John eight eleven. Uh, John chapter eight is the story of the woman caught in an adultery, and I love this story. and And this is this is one of my most favorite passages in the scripture because of what Jesus does. And if you remember, they drag her caught. It says in the very act of adultery, and. It's just the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Just the woman. The very act of adultery implies two. Yeah. But they drag the woman, showing again she's lessened <laughs> being in their mind. Set it down before Jesus and say, "This woman was caught in the very act of adultery, as Moses' law says we must stone her." What do you say? Remember the story? Mm-hmm. All the leaders of the church, listen, church folks holding big stones. And, uh, and I, I, I couldn't really grasp a whole of this until we started collecting stones in a prayer. Hall. One time I had a stone about hand size, and I thought, wow, that would really hurt if someone threw that at me. I couldn't imagine how many stones had to be thrown to kill somebody. But I hope it would be quick. And, and as she was standing there, Jesus knelt down, scribbling in the sand, stood up and said, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. Been used countless times since then, whoever has no sin, go ahead and throw the stone. Well, it says that the elders of the church, from the most um, wise and noble murderer there, wants to kill her, um, to the youngest, from the eldest to the youngest, they drop their stones and leave. And Jesus still screaming on the ground, kneeling by her. And he stands up and uh, he says to her, Where are your accusers? And she says, There are none. But that's not true. There is one still standing there. One without sin. Hear me. One without sin. Perfect and holy by law standards and by faith standards. According to Jesus, He can throw the first stone. And what does He say? i got a lot of stones here. So I'll do it quick. It's not what He says, is it? He says, then I'm not going to condemn you either. But then He says this, go and don't sin anymore. Change. Because you found mercy. Mercy of God is meant for a person to change. This is the first thing you need to know in a legalistic mindset. That God's mercy is there to help people change. Jesus is not awfully lawful, is He? He came to fulfill the law so that you and I could walk in holiness. Now I want to ask you a question. When she gets up and walks away, would you say she's walking away holy or still cursed because of her sin? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because we want to see what she's done and think she's carrying it forward. Well, you're just a wretched, you know, you've been messing with marriages all over the place and Jesus says, I'm not condemning you. What do we do? Do we say you're holy or is she still condemnable? depends on how your mindset, doesn't it? It depends on if you're legalistic and under, under law or under grace and right. righteousness he Jesus Christ. It's a tough question, but it's a question we're going to face this morning in a very, very powerful way, I think. So, John 8 is where we begin with that, understanding that that woman, I believe, did not walk away cursed, she was under grace. In our chapter today, Galatians chapter 3, we begin to read that the law brings a curse on us. It says in the quote there in verse 10, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, it says all things. Now, that's why Romans chapter 3 says we have all fallen short and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We there's not a person in this room that says I'm not a sinner unless you're the first but the only one without sin in this life time or any previous was Jesus Christ all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because all have sinned it means we all did not continue in all the things of the law therefore we are cursed and you go, well, does that mean like someone said, oh, you know, a curse over us? No, that's not what that means. Cursed means we're under the law of sin now. Cursed to have a lifetime with sin is a part of it. That's a bad curse, I promise you. And Paul says that uh, if you don't fulfill all the law because the just live by faith, the law says you're Cursed. Now, the curse is death. It's not a hex. To see unrighteousness in yourself, to see it in somebody else, is to recognize the curse. And there's a deep need for Calvary's grace when you see that, and everyone needs it. Well, that person's a bad sinner. No, they're cursed with the law of death and they're living it out. They need grace, they need mercy and forgiveness from Jesus Christ. This is what they need. They already have what they don't need. If we move over to Galatians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Paul tells us this. He says, I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised, listen to this, that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. He's talking to Gentiles here, okay? He's talking to people who are not Jewish. He says, if you want to abide by the law, that you have to keep all of it. If that's what you want to do for your lifestyle, to keep the law of God complete through your whole life, you can't just say, I'm going to do part of it. I have to do it all. And then verse 4, he says. you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Legalism takes away grace. Let me put this in context. He says, if you want to be justified by what you do, or to look at others and Judge them by what they do. You are now looking at it in a legalistic standpoint, and you're no longer under grace. I don't know if that's fair to you. But I assume it's not fair to the other, <coughs> excuse me. Attempting to be justified by works of the Lord expected of others means you've either fallen from grace or you've never experienced it like the stone holders in John 8. They didn't know grace. Or did they? (laughs) Oh, but they did. They did know grace because they let the guy off. Maybe he was their friend. Maybe they set her up. But the guy, where is he? They gave him grace. Grace. Why not her? Because they didn't want to see her the possibility of their friend to die. <laughs> but this woman was disposable. Legalism makes people disposable. That's what the stoneholders were doing. And mm-hmm. i got to share something with you, and this may be something you have to think about to agree with, but you work on it long enough and stay with me long enough, I think you will. It says this, the demonic moves forward in legalistic attitudes and in legalism. How? Because if there is no law to determine right and wrong, then evil has no place to determine something good or bad. So it has no root to control and be against something to show you that you're bad or someone else is bad. And if there's no law for a demon to say you failed or somebody else failed and are cursed and in bondage to sin, then it can't condemn or control you. If there's no law, the demon or evil or sin can't work its way through. It must have a way to determine that a person is not good. If they are not good people, we deem them as unbelievers, unworthy, or unwanted. And this is a code of conduct, a way of seeing people based on a set of guidelines, a rule, or a law that has been set to run a life. And that same rule we sometimes apply to ourselves, that we apply to others, that we apply to the world around us, And we've come to the place where we use that code to judge everything we see. Now, if you didn't have a moral compass or a sense of right and wrong, then nothing would be wrong. If nothing would be right, it would just all be neutral. Well, there's no place for evil to weasel into that and say you just did wrong because there is no wrong. Therefore, the demonic forces of the devil and sin can only move forward in a legalistic mindset that says people are good or bad. One or the other. No middle ground. In Romans 7.21, in all of chapter 7, Paul is talking about the law, how he's trying to show that his nature isn't so bad. And he says, I find a law that evil is with me, and I'm the one who wills to do good. I desire to do good, says Paul, for the new man, the inner man, delights in God's law inside of me. But there's a second law. He says, in place at this time. And it's warring against this law, this new law of the new man in Christ. And it drags me captive to sin. The sin which entered when it took advantage of God's law to say that there could be something that was against God. So Paul says in his conclusion, with my mind I serve God. I want to be godly, but I keep finding myself doing the wrong thing. I keep sinning and I don't want to sin. Therefore, I know it's the sin in me because I want to do right. And I'm stuck because there's a war inside of me. A part of me wants to please God with all I am, but ten minutes later I'm doing something I don't even know how I got there. And he said it's the sin within him that does that. The law created a place for sin to have opportunity to be sin. Simple way to say that, right? Scripture clearly states that the reason for the law was to show us our depravity. That we could not be holy people or righteous. It was never given to show other people their faults or to judge them. It was always meant for us to take a look at ourselves in relationship to God's holiness and righteousness. And each one of us can clearly say, I am not the creator of the universe. Therefore, I'm not God. Therefore, I'm not perfect. Therefore, I'm going to make mistakes. And therefore, I have sinned. God can't sin. Now you say, wait a minute. What does that mean, depravity? Because if you have sinned, you are under the law of sin and death. Apart from God, no chance of relationship or eternity with God because of that sin. And here Paul said, I don't want to do it, but I did it anyway. Now I'm stuck. It doesn't make the law creates sin. Sin took opportunity of the law to show God's goodness in the law and how we could never measure up. That's what the law was for, to show us we don't measure up. I can promise you, I walk down the street and I see lots of people don't measure up to God's law. I can look in the mirror and see people don't look up to God's law. We all can. None of us line up. It's awful to be lawful. Because you've got to keep the whole thing. And that's legalism. And it won't get you saved. It won't get you freedom. It'll just make you watch every single step you make to make sure you don't make a bad one. And Paul says you're going to do it anyway. I'm stuck. That's what Paul's conclusion is. I'm stuck. My mind wants to serve God, but my flesh sins. And therefore I'm under the curse. And then he says this. What a wretched man I am. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch. The original word was worm. A worm. A wretch like me. Oh, wretched man, who can save you from this body to death? And Paul says the only way is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way to get away from legalistic mindsets is to have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ that transforms you But first thing you got to know is you can't get there without it. Our small group tonight is going to talk about that very thing. It's talking about standing on the threshold of God's house. I'll tell you how bad sin is the law is good, it's from God. All what God does is perfect and holy and just, but sin corrupts it. It makes an agent of death. Not the law itself, but to show how bad sin really is. Sin took the righteous law of God and made it produce death in us. And it showed us our unrighteousness. So sin takes what is good and makes it appear to be bad. This is the nature of sin. And that law can never save a soul. Now here's what I want to share with you. I want to repeat that sentence. Sin takes what is good and makes it appear bad. Legalism looks at it and says like this, it's bad and can't be good because it's not able to be good once it's gone bad. What's that old phrase? You can't re-ripen a sour peach you can't make fresh fruit out of a piece of fruit that's spoiled, and that's what our mindset is about people too. And sometimes we look at ourselves and say, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm just messed up, and you know, I'm hopeless." But you're not. God looks at our brokenness and says, "That's a good place for healing. That's a good place for grace. That's a good place for a miracle." And I'm so thankful that He did that. In the book of Galatians in chapter 2, Paul says it like this. And, and I, I didn't understand what he was saying. And I've memorized the verses in this section until I began to look at this concept. Paul says, For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. And here's the verse I've memorized. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And then this is what He says in verse 21 on the screen. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Jesus died in vain. The law killed us. It killed me. We died because of it. It was His purpose to show that we need God. That God put, shall we say, unhuman demands on us that only His Son could fulfill. None of us else were able to. We didn't have the ability. We were born into a mess of sin. Jesus had a Holy Father. None of us did. His father was perfect in all his ways. (laughs) I know some folks who had a father who thought he was perfect in all his ways. Not the same thing. And here it is. Since the law came in and brought in sin and death and we died because of it, we're powerless to do anything about the problem. I can't revive myself. I can't bring something dead to life. I am powerless. I am not God, and I promise you, we're in the same boat. Neither one of us are God. Neither one of us can raise the dead, even when the law of sin has come in, and we can't do it by looking at someone else and saying, "Quit being bad." You know, you got to act. Straighten up your act, and God will bless you. You know, we we always do this stuff, but we can't raise the dead by doing that. They need Jesus Christ's grace. We are all under sin. There's no person more or less worthy of God's grace. There is no sin somebody has that's greater than any of yours. There's no sin that anybody has that's worse than any of yours, or less than yours, or more than yours. The law of sin and death came through sin acting legalistically upon opportunity of God's law To pervert it. Sin took the law and made it legalistic. Saying you have to do this or you will die. That's how bad sin is. It caught us all. Cursed is everyone who breaks the law and does not do every bit of it. And yet Jesus, in His infinite grace, became sin for us and bore the curse for us by hanging on a tree. If they would have stoned Him, it wouldn't have worked. If they would have decapitated Him or stabbed Him to take His life, it would not have worked. It's only through crucifixion, through a curse of hanging on a tree, that He could save us. It's the only way. And that's how it happened. Isn't God good? He did it the right way. The law cannot make you righteous. All it can do is show you you need Jesus. That's the only purpose of noticing that someone doesn't measure up to moral or holy or godly standards is to show they need Jesus. There is no other reason for it. But I've seen people take the Scripture and bash people over the head with it. I've seen people find reason to judge others and tell them they're ungodly because they're not acting in accord with the Word and they take the Word of God as a weapon in their hand and harm people with it. Yes, the Bible is a two edged sword, but it's meant to heal, not wound and destroy. I need grace and mercy. You also need grace and mercy. Each person you see, each person you come across needs grace and mercy. And God is trying to see by each person that comes in your path if you're a person of grace yet. Or are you still trying to get it through the law by applying legalism to others and grace to yourself? Then the grace you've received is in vain. When you have grace and God has extended you mercy and forgiveness and you receive it, you give it. A bitter Christian should not exist, an unforgiving spirit should not exist in a, in a Christian. An intolerant spirit, a hateful spirit, should not exist in a believer. Until we meet each person with kindness and grace and compassion to help them move closer to Jesus Christ rather than telling them how far they are away, we're under a bondage of legalism. We're putting people under the law and they can't survive. This will not do. The Apostle Paul said it clearly. We want to do what's right, but there's something in this that makes us not do it. This called bondage. Sin does that. That's the curse being acted out in our lives. However, Scripture is also very clear, and this is the good news, that the curse does not have to remain. That you can have the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, and to love as Jesus Christ does if God washes you clean and white as snow and puts His Holy Spirit in you to live it out. Because you can't do it without it. Because all we can do is fail. This is a promise. And that's why Paul says, who's going to save me from this mess that I'm in? I'm cursed, but I want Jesus, but I'm cursed. And he says, thank God. It's the one I want that's going to do it for me. All I have to do is one with all I am. And seek to love others all the way like He did. And help to relieve them from the curse there and there. I've seen lots of folks under curses. And I've seen a lot of times where I wanted to judge them for it. But what they really needed and what helped them the most was when I sat down with them and said, what can I do now? How can I help you get through this? How can God change your life?